Hello and welcome to the New York Welsh podcast, the podcast that celebrates Welsh success stories in New York, while hopefully inspiring the creation of some new ones. I am Gideon. And I am Richard. Pemploeth hapis, Gideon. Oh, diochen fawr. I'm 34 today. Wow, you're 34? I didn't know you were. Trudeg, Trudeg Pedwa, Heddy. Tri- Gosh. Wow, die down. Mm, dioch. Getting on a bit now, kids. Money on the gun. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> That's enough, yeah. <laughs> I'm old enough um, now. Well, I hope you enjoy your evening. Got anything special planned? Going out for dinner. Oh, nice. In, appropriately, a restaurant called uh, Osprey. No. Yeah. Wow. I was saying that today to Carly, uh, my wonderful girlfriend who does the photos for our Instagram and the website. Um, especially fitting because Ospreys, Swansea rugby team, but also I was in House Osprey in my primary school, Gorosith. Wow. Just, uh, so this is it. This is full circle, everybody. We better do this quick because your Uber's going to be here in four minutes. Um, <laughs> so you, today we were lucky enough to be um, joined by Matt Hitt, who is a singer-songwriter from the Rhonda Valley. He's also frontman of Drowners, now embarking on a new solo career. Yeah, we talked about how an innocent trip of his uh, to Times Square changed everything for him, uh, what it's like to travel the world as a model. And why more horror movies are shot in American motels than they are in British travel-ins. We enjoyed it. We hope you do. The enigmatic Matt hit. So maybe we'll start by talking about, so last night you were DJing, right? Uh, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'd... Do you want to tell? Do you want to ground us in a location? Uh, eighty-six East Tenth Street. <laughs> in case there's any assassins out there, I <laughs> do, I'm there every Tuesday. Um, What's the place called? Uh, it's called Black and White. Um, yeah, the owner's a friend of mine. Actually, we recorded a music video in there once, actually. Oh yeah. Um, Which so, one was? It? Uh, for uh, Cruel Ways. Um, yeah, I don't know. The owner's a friend of mine, so. Uh, I used to DJ at other pubs, but it's just a bit of fun, really. Just a bit of fun. What sort of set do you do? Uh, like indie, punk, you know, rock, guitar-based stuff, really. Yeah. Right. And how did last night compare? To uh, last night, actually, last night was pretty funny. The the uh, entire cast of the new season of Top Chef were in there, and uh, down the other end of the bar, the U2 drummer was chatting to Danger Mouse. So that was. It's not like that every Tuesday. <laughs> you still got a bit of stardust on you. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so there's just a lot of drunk chefs in there last night. Cool. Requesting blues. I don't know what that blues. says about chefs, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're getting the chef crowd, you know you're doing something right. <laughs> in New York on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. Um, although, it's, so people keep telling me, though, that um, bars are closing in New York and at a, a record rate. I don't know, I've got no evidence for that. Uh, I believe it. Uh, my actually, my favorite pub and second home just shut down. Uh, Saint Dymphna's. OIP. Wearing a Saint Dymphna necklace. Uh, she's a patron saint of uh, the mentally ill and runaways, I believe. Huh. So that's two out of two for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so the video you mentioned is obviously for um, Drowners Band. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, tell it. Tell us about that. I want to know what. Where did the name come from? I have people always ask that. But. Um, we'd like started the band and and um, uh, about three. We've been playing for about three months and then uh, my friend Justin sings in this band of vaccines and he 
I was telling him I was getting a band together and he was like, um, oh, we're playing uh, New York in a couple of months. Do you want to open for us? And that turned out to be our first gig at Webster Hall, uh, which ended up selling out, not because of us, obviously, because of the vaccines. <laughs> and uh, anyway, the promoter rung me up and was like, oh, we need a name for the poster. So uh, I was like, hang on, let me, I'll ring you back. And then did a group text. And out of all the horrendous suggestions, uh, Drowners won, because I, at the time I was obsessed with um, Suede, who have a song called The Drowners. But, uh, That's how yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire picked her name as well. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't it? They said, we need a name, we need it. what's your name? And he just looked at the, the nearest newspaper and the headline was something about somebody doubting the cause of a fire. Oh, doubt fire, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that film over Christmas and it's, uh, it's if you think uh, a, a father trying to gain custody of his kids by dressing up as a woman and infiltrating the house is, I don't know. It's the plot was a lot wilder than I remember it being. Seriously strange. Yeah. There's a level of stalking in there. I don't know. He somehow thinks he can compete with James Bond. Um, yes, it, <laughs> he does have a great arm, though. I've seen the scene, you know, when he grabs the orange and he, like, pings it. He hits Pierce Brosnan right in the back oh, of yeah. their noggin. Yeah. It was a fruit and run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and run. yeah. Now, the face in the cake, I guess, is the predominant yeah. scene in that movie. All right, so, so this gig with the vaccine, this was your first gig. What, what, when was this? Uh, this would have been... So the band started uh, sort of December 2011, and then that was, I think, February 2012. And as as the for those of you who don't know, Webster Hall is shut down since. Uh, but it's it's like uh, I think the capacity is about I think it was sixteen hundred or something. And as the date approached, we all began to get worried that this would be our first time on stage in front of sixteen hundred people. So it act it technically was our second because the the night before. A friend, friend of mine used to book the band at pianos, which is like a tiny. Oh yeah, I know pianos. Yeah, yeah. It's a venue. great little spot. And I rang him up. I was like, "Can we just have any slot in the next week? Because we need like a practice gig before this massive one." Because it'd be the first time that it was the first time we would ever have played. Three yeah, three of you. Uh, it was four, it was four oh, of us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we ended up uh, playing the night before at midnight. Um, Time slot. And yeah, well, it, what was a thirty-minute set was reduced to about eighteen minutes due to everyone's nerves. So yeah, we well, played. you couldn't. You just went too just fast. played couldn't everything. Push, just couldn't push you on the stage, or you couldn't wait to get off. You no, know, just played everything twice as fast because we were all bricking it. Yeah, it was good that you were all bricking it to the same degree, so you all went yeah. the same speed. And luckily, some guy filmed the entire thing, and it's now on YouTube forever, so you can. Oh, amazing! If you want to watch four petrified idiots. Yeah, it's yeah. like when you extend it. I don't know if you do it, when you actually tap on your podcast and you go three times as fast. <laughs> yeah, people are talking like this and sort of <laughs> I actually know someone who uh, actually I, I work with him. He listens to he listens to podcasts that fast, and like he'll, he'll get in a car and it'll like automatically sync and it'll just go blah, 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 hello and everyone thinks it's like crazy. And apparently, you can just get your mind brain gets used to it. And he's like, well, I get to you know ingest you know three times as much content. I, I, I was listening to uh, another podcast of uh my friend in wales does and he was in a band and he was he was on about this uh idea of getting more spotify streams by uh doing the same thing to songs on spotify and then looping it so you can uh you know listen to the song way more times in one go and you just keep it on a loop to get your uh rating plays i don't know if that works or not but like farming that's what he said yeah. Um, what's it, what's the name of the podcast? We'd like to support our fellow. Uh, it's, it's, it's called Sappening. 
And uh, yeah. it's about uh, like, let me guess, it's about uh, current affairs in the agricultural world. Uh, close. It's about, it's. Uh, I think there are only a few episodes in, but it's this guy Sean Smith who used to be in a band called The Blackout, and I was listening to it because uh, the singer of Kids in Glass Houses was uh, doing did the podcast, and I was a, a founding member of Kids in Glass Houses back in you uh, were? Wales. Yeah, mm. I've played in bands since I was in school, and basically, this we were in a band. I went to Cardinal Newman in Ridvelin. I don't know if you know it, but uh, anyway. A little shout out there. Yeah, we, uh, I hope they're still polishing that statue they built of me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, anyway, we met the singer playing a gig, and then that became Kissing Glass Houses. And then, well, I won in it for that long. I was in it for about a year. Very and cool. I went to uni. Mm. Um, okay, so take us back to this So this vaccines gig. So that was that was the first, and then were you on tour with them, or was it just a one-off? No, no, it was just one-off. a one-off gig. Just It was just basically my friend doing us a favour. Well, then everyone got very excited, thinking all the gigs would be like playing to a sold-out Webster Hall. Um, so we, we recorded some demos about a month after that. So we'd been a band for four months. Was it with the same label? That uh, well, we, no, we, so we, we recorded the demos and then put, it, put them out online. She was still unsigned at this point. We were still unsigned, yeah. And then uh, Nick Hodgson, who was the drummer in the Kaiser Chiefs, he's, he later told me this, that he was like scrolling through someone's Twitter and they were like, oh, I'm going to see this band Drowners. So he uh, he checked us out and then he, uh, I, can't, I can't remember, I think he might have DM'd me about it because he was starting a record label uh-huh. um, called Birthday Records. So we ended up... On re- Instagram? Uh, yeah, he DM'd me on, on Instagram, and then we ended up uh, remastering the demos, and then that became the first EP. Uh, um, yeah, and the, all this happened within sort of like four months of starting the band, so that was kind of weird. Right, and this is all in 2011? Yes, or oh, 2012 this would be, yeah, yeah. Nice, and then did you guys, um, did, you, did you play a lot of gigs in New York then? Did you? Kind of yeah, then we were, well, we always, we always had like a, like strong work ethic because like I, when I moved to New York and I was trying to put the band together I met loads of musicians that basically were like all talk no trousers and no one was really doing it actually doing anything and so I was like fuck this we just got to like keep playing and keep writing and so we pl- ended up playing New York sort of every two weeks for the next like six months we played like every shitty downtown venue uh, um, any any favourites that stand out? uh yeah, I remember the third the third gig we ever played was in a now shut down going to as a testament to your theory. Uh uh Glasslands, which was on a Wednesday. It was my birthday. So I got there and a bunch of people bought me some shots and the only people there were like twelve of my friends. And uh it turned into a sort of VH one storytellers because I'd been I'd been uh greased up with birthday booze beforehand. Um, it's gonna be. It's actually Gideon's birthday today, so that's the plan for later in the podcast. Yeah, we're okay. actually having a beer now, so I think. Uh, <laughs> I tell my mom I'm having a beer <laughs> doing the podcast. <laughs> but no, at the time, I don't know. Just uh, we just tried to get as many gigs as possible, uh, and then yeah, I think I'm trying to think what uh, maybe it was like our ninth ninth gig or something. It was about eight months of us being together, and then someone from a from a New York label saw us, and then told the owner of the label to come see us and then we ended up signing to uh, French Kiss which is like a New York indie 
label. Oh. And all of that was, yeah, like nine months of being together or something. <laughs> what was that like? Like the, the finally, like, because I imagine if you're slaving around, I mean, I'm sure some great gigs are amazing. Others are just like, oh, like. Yeah, I mean, just because you sign a deal doesn't mean it's all going to like kick off because we played a lot of empty rooms after that. Right. Um, but you must have felt like, hey, this is like, finally, think, this, it was worth putting in all that time. Yeah, well, I, I had like moved here with a kind of vague master plan of like, like I'd already written off the record before I moved here. And I was like, all right, I got to, and I knew some people here. So I was like, all right, put the band together, play loads of gigs. Here's some labels I think might be interested based on their roster or whatever. Um, so I don't know, when we finally signed, it seemed like, um, it's like a weird validation where it's like, oh, like someone else aside, outside of the group thinks it's good, mm. um, which is a nice feeling, I suppose. Yeah, they're, they're in New York. They're, they were sort of like, well, they still exist, but it was kind of like a cool indie label. Mm-hmm. Um, Who else was on them? Uh, the Drums. You know, them. They put out Passion Pit's first record, uh, Local Natives. Oh, yeah. Um, they put out a block party record, maybe. Huh. Uh, I don't know, but it seemed like a very appealing prospect because uh, it was a uh, like yeah, like a cool label. Yeah, and what did, yeah. I guess what did they? Lo- I mean, because you, obviously it's yourself. And what about the other people in the band? Are they American? Or? Yeah, they're American. So yeah. not that I'm John Cale or anything, but John Cale was the only Welsh member of a all American Velvet Underground. Yeah, that's the in good company. Comparison, there. I can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can draw that directly, but it's a stretch of a reference. But. Um, How would you describe uh, your genre, I suppose? Um, I guess the sort of blanket term would be indie. Uh, uh, you know, guitar-led, whatever. I, li- I, li- I, always, I, I always got drawn to like um, music that sounds happy with sad lyrics. I.e. Smith's. Or uh, ABBA, I love ABBA. Are those your two main uh, influences then, Smiths uh, and ABBA? I think so, yeah. And the Buzzcocks. Uh, but even that, it's you know, it's sort of jovial music with uh, sad undertones. And yeah, that's kind of what I attempted to do. I don't know if I succeeded, but that was the aim. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so t- take us to um, how I guess what were those first few years like? Once you signed, you said you had obviously still played some empty venues. Was there a point where you were like, well, at, at that point, once the label, like, this is the other thing that you don't really think about is it goes from like four mates. We used to rehearse in the like the basement of uh, this place next to Welcome to the Johnsons. I don't know if you know that Lower East Side oh, yeah. dive. Yeah. Oh, so we used Lower to, East Side. Uh, yeah, well, there's another one in Bushwick now, but that's the, the, one the I know. original one. They do, the, they do the best chicken sandwich in the city, in my opinion, at the Johnsons. Really? I know they do a two dollar can of beer. That's, Th- that's that, why I used to go. There. That was <laughs> that was the case at the Lower East, or is the case at the Lower East Side one? I've never seen that beer anywhere else. It's got a lion on the on the can. Oh, I don't know. It, used, it was PBR in the Lower East Side oh, one. Classic. Those are the the two dollar ones. Anyway, so we used to rehearse down there, and then once. Yeah, once you get like a deal, then you then you got to get a lawyer to look over the deal, and then you get <clears throat> then you get a booking agent. Excuse me. Um, so you can't just play whenever you want all the time, and this infrastructure gets thrust upon you, uh, which is also very exciting because it makes everything sort of more official and mm. whatnot. But uh, yeah, and then we just we, we would uh, we toured. I remember like the first time we went to the UK, 
which was very exciting for everyone else because they'd never been, but right. sort of humdrum for me because I'd spent 20 years of my life there. It must have been uh, cool though, because now you're coming yeah, back. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Although it's quite funny because when we would tour in America, it would be uh, me that would get the like, oh my God, are you from London? Yeah. And uh, you know that, I'd have to correct them that I was from Wales. And then uh, when I went over there, everyone was sort of glossy eyed over these handsome American lads playing and I was just common muck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was exciting. Getting, it, on, getting on a plane with your band is really, I don't know, I'd always only ever traveled alone and that seemed to be like, felt like an exciting moment. Right. So where did you play in the UK? The first time we went there, we did a tour with this band called KG Elephant. Mm -hmm. um, so we we played, that was actually like a short European tour. So we just did London and then um, I think Paris, Berlin, Cologne and somewhere else. I can't remember. You're right. It sounds very humdrum. Um, <laughs> uh, that was the first time. And then we, we, we've been back about six times. Um, the last time we played, uh, you know, Soon Festival uh -huh. that Hugh Stevens does in Cardiff. We, we did that. That's cool. With our, our entire guest list had the last name Hit, I think. So my, <laughs> my whole family came. Um, yeah, but... It's fun. All the hits. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, so you mentioned that you know things change when you obviously get all professional. Did your relationship change with like amongst each other or? Mm, no, nah, not really. I think all it does is accelerates your friendships because mm. you know there's people I've known for ten years whom I've never shared a hotel room with, and right. then you got got like four dudes that've known each other for six months, and now you really are living in each other's pockets. Wow. Um, and is there a like, down? I've always wondered it because for those of us who haven't, you know, been on tour as a band, which I imagine is a fair amount, um, how much is it literally like where it's gig, get up, travel, gig, get up? Or is that, do you have like downtime? Do you get, do you go out after gigs? Do you have the energy? Are you, oh, yeah. Any, what, like, uh, I mean, it's not like Led Zeppelin arriving on a private jet, you know, it's like you're all in a van. Or in our case, we're all in a van. And you driving um, yourselves or you got someone? No, we had tour managers yeah. that did it. Um, uh, yeah, it's very, hum especially in the UK, you get very familiar with uh, the inner workings of travel lodges. And um, yeah, it's a, they're a lot higher quality than the general quality of American motels. Um, that we've stayed in some very horrible they don't have the places. neon though, do they? No, they don't. But they, they do have safe, secure rooms where you don't feel like some, uh, I don't know. We stayed in some places where it just looks like the start of a horror film. Um, <laughs> Like a swimming pool outside that no one's in. Yeah, floating, yeah, like, yeah. And non-script some, animals. Sort of like characters lurking in the dark. And, and the thing I don't like about motels is that your, your front door opens out into a public car park. People are walking past oh, yeah. your front door. In the hotel, you've at least got that like added layer of padding, which is the corridor, then the lift, <laughs> then right. the foyer before... I know, I right, the murderer has the murderer has a harder escape route in a travel lodge than it does in an American motel. Yeah, it's harder to it's film true. as well. Come on, you should appreciate that. Yeah. What do you mean? It must be harder to film in a, a murder scene in a hotel where it's like in a travel inn. You know, everyone's cramped in the corridor by the coke machine versus like you got a motel. You've got all of this. That's like... why. That's why they always do horror films in hotels. <laughs> yeah. so you've solved it. Yeah, thank you. But it, yeah, I don't know. I, I always I love touring because it's. Uh, um, it's true that like you, even though you go to all these places, you never really get to see them. You get mm. you see the venue you sound check at, and 
then the the main the main things you look for is um, Wi-Fi passwords and food. That's basically what touring <laughs> is: deciding where to eat and figuring out what the Wi-Fi password is. That kind of sounds like my business chips too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of fun, you know. Uh, yeah, we'd always go out after. Yeah, and do you know where you're going? Like, do you have like to try and go to really good venues, or you just do you get taken places? Like, well, uh, now nah, the booking agent will like book the route and the tour and yeah. uh, uh, venues and whatnot. It's a fun way to experience a place. Yeah. Like, yeah, you just play the gig and then find a pub close to the venue afterwards. Well, at least you can have a drink. Like, I'm, I was listening to the Six Nations on right now. I'm listening to all the boys getting interviewed and the rugby. Like, they have to, they can, all they can do is go to a coffee shop. Like, because they're actually right. at least, you know, playing rugby. You guys can at least at least enjoy yourselves a little bit, I imagine. Not that you're not working. Uh, well, that's the thing. It doesn't feel like work, you know. Like, my favorite thing to do is, like, play gigs. So someone goes, here's a month, uh... You don't have to worry about driving yourself around. You're going to go to all these different places, do your favorite thing, and um, get pissed up after. And get paid for so, it. And get paid for it. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, that sounds good. good. <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> um, so, tell, so, obviously, you, that was some of the European tours. What about some of the... Um, have you been to other international tours, or is it just U- Europe and, and the US? We've done Europe, the US. We, we went to, we went to uh, Brazil once, which was ridiculous. Wow. That, uh, so oh, we, yeah, Rio, Sao Paulo. Like what was we played? We we played one show in Rio and one show in Sao Paulo. And basically, my friend Justin, who got us the first gig, that that his band had played down there, and the promoter was like, "Oh, we're looking for like a New York band to play," and he was like, "Oh, you should have my friend's band." So they contact our booking agent. And they're like, "Oh, we'll fly you down. Is sponsored by like Jack Daniels or something," and uh, yeah, we were like, "All right, that sounds good." So we go, we go there. We get to the airport. And of the f- uh, only our EP was out at this point, right? Um, of which 500 copies were made. We get to the airport and there's like a couple dozen people waiting there with the copies of the EP. Like it felt like a, like it felt like either we'd like won a competition to see what being in a big band is like, <laughs> or like Ashton Kutcher was going to jump out and say we got punked. But it was just like you've been in America too long. <laughs> Jeremy Beadle was going to jump out. <laughs> Sorry, yes, Jeremy <laughs> Beadle. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that was amazing. And then we then we got put up in these like swanky hotels, and um, I think that was the most uh, uh, what's the word? I don't know, glamorous, uh, yeah, exotic thing we've ever done. Yeah. So, so that's the most exotic. What's the most? Obviously, I imagine seeing parts of America. But did you do any kind of more remote, questionable venues? Um, mm. I don't think we've played in weird places, but we've definitely stayed in weird places, like on travel days. Uh, I remember we stopped in Sioux Falls. Uh, um, I think that's in one of either North or South Dakota. And uh, it was a a Saturday night, and the Holiday Inn that we were staying at seemed to be the main attraction. So there's all these... People having like a truck party or something in there. Well, there was just like that seemed to be the only bar in in the in like a ten mile radius. So there's oh, all these, they in? Yeah, so there's all these people at the bar, and then we walk in like like uh, four lanky goths, you know, <laughs> me with a weird accent, and uh, the local gentleman didn't take kindly to us. You know, so it could be the scary parts of America. Was it bad? Ah, it wasn't bad. We won them round with the chat in the end, but uh, on, upon entry, we were greeted with some uh, insults. <laughs> <laughs> some fine American profanities. 
So speaking of uh, American hospitality, what made you come to New York in the first place? Um, well, when I was a kid slash teenager, I was obsessed with like uh, beat poets and like CBGBs, sort of like Ramones like type music. And I like always wanted to go to New York since I was like 10 or 11. And my older sister did this, you know, this in Camp America. Yeah, basically, my, like, my brother did that. Yeah, they like hire British or European people to come over and be a camp counselor. So my older sister had done it. And when you do it, you get a free return flight to and from New York. So I was like, oh, that sounds like pretty good. So I applied for a job to be a guitar teacher. I think I was, yes, two, I think two days after I turned 19, I flew into Boston and then began 10 weeks being a guitar teacher at a summer camp in Vermont. So yeah, I end up I end up coming coming to America to to teach guitar under the promise of a free return flight to and from New York. Uh and then one week into the camp, they needed like volunteers to chaperone the kids on the bus because most of the kids were from the city, New York. So they bus them all to Vermont. So I volunteered. It's like two guys and two girls. So the camp owner drives us from Vermont to New York, and we get there the night, bef- uh, the night before we're picking up the kids, and this, we're staying at like some hotel near the Natural History Museum. And the camp owner gives us all 60 bucks each, and he's like, do whatever you want, like uh, meet me at 10 o'clock in the morning. So I'd never been to New York before or America, so uh, of course I get on the subway and immediately go to Times Square, because I think that's what you're supposed to do, you know? <laughs> and I of course. Get- how, old, how old are you again? I'd... I'd Turned 19 about a week before. Okay. To be fair, if you're 19, you're gonna love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I. Uh, so I. So I go. I go to Times Square, and I'm walking down the street, and this girl like grabs my arm, and I was like, oh, what? She's like, she's like, are you a model? And I was like, oh shit, this is what my mother warned me about, like trying to <laughs> keep all the find where my wallet is in my pocket. And then this guy comes running up behind her, and he's like, oh, what are you doing in America? And I'm like, oh, I'm teaching guitar at this summer camp. Uh, and they give me a card and it's like, please come back to New York after you finish working, blah, blah, blah. They, so I go back to the camp. I, I was in New York for about 10 minutes at that point, right? <laughs> so I go back to the camp and then every week this guy's phoning the camp, making sure I go back to New York afterwards. And I, we, we didn't have computers. This was 2006 and the summer camp was remote. Computers existed, obviously, but we didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have access to computers at the camp. So I like rung my dad and had him like Google the, the business card and he was... After they stopped laughing at the thought that I would be a model, uh, my parents were like, yeah, it seems legit. So I go back to New York after I finish camp, and it's like New York Fashion Week, and I end up doing like some shows, and some oh, shoots. Oh, that quickly? Yeah, like, yeah. They just throw you straight, you do what? Yeah. They take you, they take you, to, you then represented by them. And they well, the guy who gave me the card worked for this agency, um, and he's still actually my agent now, like 12 years later. Wow. Um, but yeah, he found me like 10 minutes into being in New York. Uh, so then, yeah. I'm amazed that it's that quick that you're on, you're on the catwalk in Fashion Week. I I don't know. I just thought there'd be like model well, school or something. <laughs> nah, nah. Well, when it, when it, with books on your head or something. Uh, Finishing school. I, I think it's I think that it's probably less rigorous, rigorous, less rigorous for uh, for the guys than it is the women. Oh. Um, so yeah, I come back and it's like casting week for New York Fashion Week and end up doing a bunch of shows. And then a week later, I went back. That was my first summer of uni. 
So then I went back to Cardiff Uni and they were like, how was the summer camp? I was like, yeah, it's pretty good, you know. And this other weird thing happened to me when I just I was just in like New York Fashion Week. So that was quite bizarre. And they they believe you? Everyone believe you? Or uh, they just like, yeah, go well, on. They, they were laughing. One. They were laughing, you know. But uh, yeah, and then I went back to uni for two years. So. Wow. Yeah. You finished your degree, came straight back then? I finished my degree and then I would, I, I sort of was half living between my parents' house, London, and New York, and then traveling around to do all the fashion weeks and whatever. Um, so I did that for another, like, two years, and then I moved back to New York. Because so I was obsessed with New York at that point. Got the, got the bug. Yeah. And it's really weird, because I'd had no prior knowledge of it, aside from, like, America's Next Top Model being on TV. And so you get thrown into this world... Especially when I started, I'm going to sound really old. When I started, it was pre-iPhone. So you'd like land in Milan, have to find your way to this like shitty hotel they put you up in for two weeks, go to the agency where they'd give you like a little burner phone and a map and then like a list of times and addresses for that day. And you'd be like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I don't know, it's like a bizarre. You've got to get yourself around this foreign oh, city. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm sure I have friends friends who are girls who are models, and it's not like that for them. They get like a nice little driver. But, uh, but they've done the training. They've been to school. They've, they, they, went, <laughs> they went to models. They earned school. it. Yeah, it's more. They got it's more money in that. Yeah. So I mean, they- yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Actually, it's kind of amazing. Although annoying for me that that's what I ended up. How I ended up making money is. So I guess it's one of the only professions where women earn an insane amount of more money than guys do. Yeah, they're really bringing up the average on the gender pay gap, yeah. aren't they? Start yeah. making it up. Uh, yes, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, well, I mean, I, there this, I imagine it long days. Like, you see, you know, we were just talking about it before. You know, it sounds all glamorous and, like, it's great. You travel all over the world. You get to be in this shoot. You go to stay in these nice places. But I imagine it's it's not quite as... as uh, It's made out to look like in Zoolander. no. Well, when I when I started when I started out, I, I would do like like Paris, Milan, New York, London Fashion Week, and that would be uh, painful because you'd have to share a room with some like idiot teenager. Also, uh, out so of is that the, so just honestly, is that the glamorous thing? Because I think people think of those things as that's you've made it if you're hitting those things. What you're saying is actually no, that's the beginning because that's where the biggest demand is. Well, that's where you get all like uh, the exposure and whatnot. You know, they're like, oh, who's that guy in that Gucci show or whatever it is. Um, but that that's kind of like what I, you you get sent out of those places at the start. It's so like I was saying, you you at the time you're given like a map and a list of addresses, and you're staying in some horrible hotel with. Uh, also, most of the people I knew were like skint at the time, so you're like eating a baguette for a week. A dry baguette. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not too dissimilar for people who've gone tra- backpacking around Europe. You have yeah, no, yeah. experience. Yeah, except you're sitting in, a, sitting in a makeup chair at six o'clock in the morning um, and wearing someone else's clothes. But no, I mean. I don't know. I think for some people that's how they're backpacking where <laughs> I ended up. Also, I mean, you know, it's not 12 hours down a coal mine or anything. Like, you know, it's also fine and fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to sound ungrateful. Also, you know, you get to go to Paris for two weeks. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Had you been, uh, the places you got, to, had you been to many of them before? Or no, I'd never been. For... I think I'd been to, um, I'd been to, uh, 
Nuki and St. David's and Aberiron and... Um, so the, you've been to the main spot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I've been on all day a couple of times with my parents when I was a kid, but aside from that, I hadn't done any traveling uh, before coming to America. And then, no, now I've been like super lucky. I've been like uh, halfway around the world, I think, but for which I am eternally grateful. I sounded like I was mourning about it earlier, but I know it's kind of a bullshit thing to moan about. But, um, that's... It's great. Traveling's the best. Oh yeah. And do you get time? Do you get time off? Or was it kind of like music again? You're mostly just seeing the venues and places you're shooting. There's a lot of sitting in hotel rooms or sitting around on in a photo studio. That's what always like makes me laugh. Is they'll fly you like, uh, like they'll fly you to like Spain, and um, and then you end up shooting inside a white box. It's like I could have done this anyway. You know? <laughs> like, <it's> a, <laughs> the, the, whoever's writing there, the, 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 it's like when you shoot. Um, TV spots. It's whoever's writing it. They've got a the alternate ulterior motive. Yeah, I did once fly. Uh, I flew to uh, Bangkok once. Also, this is the other thing. You travel alone, right? So you're like yeah, well, these amazing it. places with no one to share it with. It's not like the band. <laughs> you like you with you. Yeah, yeah. You like fly on your own, then you're in some hotel on your own. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll explore. And then I don't know. I'm like, what if I get lost? No one will find me. No one knows where I am. Um, and it's always, so it's always on your own. You're not like booked with other people from this. Well, so, uh, sometimes there'll be other people on the shoots or whatever. And over the years, I've like become friends with, you know, some photographers or other models or whatever. So occasionally you'll be with other people. But yeah, most of the time it's a solo endeavor. Mm. Do you get good at traveling alone? Like, do you say, do you say, are you like a, do you think you're good at now? You've got a down pat. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the New, York, New York Welsh podcast has seen me through many hours of uh, sitting in airports. Can we, can we uh, quote you on that? <laughs> <laughs> just take that segment out and just... Uh, well, that's a fi- before, before I was traveling with a band, I only ever traveled on my own, so I didn't really realize how fun it was when you're with other people. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. No, I, 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 I don't know. It's also fun being alone. I, I've done a bit of both, traveling on my own and traveling with friends. It's <laughs> very say modeling and playing in gigs. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> really, I, it wasn't for me. Um, they each have their merits. When, yeah. you, when you're in a group and you're, you're somewhere interesting, like once in a lifetime, and you're only there for a limited period of time, and the people you're with don't want to do what you want to do, mm-hmm. it makes you wish you were on your own. Right. But then when you're there on your own, and it gets to sort of like, you know, the sun's going down and. You start thinking, oh, I could go and sit in a bar on my own for a little bit, but that's a bit sad, isn't it? And then, yeah. then you wish you were with your mate, so. Yeah, I've done a lot of solo sitting in hotel bars. Yeah. Like like me on my business trips. I, honestly, I don't think our lives are that different, Matt. Yeah, I'm just going to go out there and say it. Um, Let's talk about Wales. <laughs> I do love talking about Wales. Yeah. Uh, where are you from? Tell everyone. Uh, I'm from Pentra in the Rhondda. Um, I grew up there and went to school in Ridvelen and uh, spent most of my childhood going to uh, going to a caravan site in St. David's every weekend <laughs> um, yeah I, d- I don't know I'd, it's, it's weird with, I feel like moving here and with you know the ability to FaceTime or whatever I don't really miss home that much because I'm like constantly talking to my family Mm. Um, but I go back every Christmas and I try to go to do you know Porthgain or Porthgain I don't think I do I think I do yeah it's a little uh, 
it's a tiny little harbor town near St. David's, and I like, I love it in that place. There's a pub called the Sloop, so I try and get my parents to come with me up there every time I go home. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I lo- I love it. In fact, I have whales tattooed on the back of my arm because uh, the word you do the word whales. Yeah, um, we won't work on a podcast, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's there. Look well, basically, tweet out a picture. Man. I got, I, yeah, but I was playing. I was playing in a friend's band at South by Southwest, and they had just got signed to this like big label, and uh, so everyone was like drinking champagne. And then about three o'clock in the morning, they were like, "Let's all go get tattoos." So uh, we go, we go to get tattoos, and I go first. And I get whales tattooed on the back of my arm because I was going through a pang of homesickness. And by the time my tattoo's finished, the guy in the shop realizes we're all pissed as lords and kicks us all out. So yeah, the only, only one who ended up getting it. Well, at least yeah, you yeah. didn't get anything stupid. Well, I I tried hiding it from my family for a long time, and then by you know wearing jumpers when I went home for Christmas, and then one year my you know my dad turned the heating on, and I was walking around in a t-shirt, and then my mother was like, "What the hell's on the back of your arm?" I was like, "Oh yeah, I got whales tattooed," and her reaction was. You are a knob. Oh, <laughs> I, I got a, I got a tattoo uh, on my ribs on my left side, and I, I think I got it when I was like twenty three, and I just moved to London. Was getting homesick from that, and it says in Welsh, it says my home is with me for. It says my vangatrev gadaviambeth. My home is with me always or forever. Oh, that's nice. Same thing. I had to hide it from my parents. Well, I didn't. I felt like I had to hide yeah. it from my parents, and I think I didn't tell them until I was over. 30, 31, 32 <laughs> and eventually I got fed up of having to walk from the bathroom to my bedroom after a shower with my towel hiked up to my armpits <laughs> instead of around my waist. <laughs> People yeah. are going to start thinking I'm weird so I was like that's it I'm just going to tell them and to be fair my mum she thought it was really nice. Oh yeah uh, well you know always go at least they know where to send you when you die. Yeah that's true. So thinking about to that then what was you seem quite you know obviously I mean, you must be somebody really proud of being Welsh, having it tattooed on your arm, um, no matter how intoxicated you are. But wh- <laughs> as you tr- as you travel around and you know, people realise you're not from London, mm-hmm. as you said, like, um, yeah, how do you how do you talk about Wales? Like, has it been defined? People know where Wales is, and uh, I find generally not, <laughs> which is sad. Uh, or they think it's in England or something. Yeah, um, what part of England is that? Yeah, exactly. But. Uh, and then also the reference points when you try to explain, then you're like, you know, Tom Jones. And they're like, Tom Jones is from Wales? Or they like, think he's American or something. Yeah. And, uh, I think he's lived in the Venetian Hotel for so long at this point. <laughs> is that right? When I was in school, so I went, I went to Carnal Newman in Ridvelin, which is, you know, basically next to Pont de Prith. And we, on Thursdays, we used to go to this one pub when we were in sixth form. We used to go to this one pub called Tom's because, like, the rumor was, like, uh, you know, Tom Tom Jones performed here before he got famous. And then I was thinking about it when I was older. I'm like, I'm pretty much every pub in Ponty probably uses that line to uh, <laughs> Tom played in them all. You know. Like I said, then I went into a comedy club and they were like, Chris Roxham comes, comes in here. He definitely didn't come in there. <laughs> yeah. But I think uh, when I start, when I moved to New York and I started going to watch the rugby, uh, that's how I met like um, Catherine Brace mm-hmm. and... Uh, because I'd go on my own and they'd be like, come and sit at our table. And uh, that's, I think the, because, I mean, I guess just by population size, we're a rarer breed than other countries. And so there's something 
more um I don't know, people are more excited to meet other Welsh people because it's generally more rare. Yeah, it's a tag you um, can identify by. Like, I often say in work, they're like, oh, you're Welsh. Oh, I know someone who's... And they just assume you know them. Yeah, yeah. And in New York, you, you make Probably do. Yeah, 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 yeah. probably yeah. do. Another New York moment, which was... Uh, so, I think, was it 2011 World Cup? It was like um, Wales and France in the semi-final. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, uh, I was there. And it ended. It, they ended up. Uh, they lost by a point, right? Yeah. Uh, Sam Warburton got the red. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so I think because of the time difference, the kickoff was about four a.m. over here. So I like God. went out all night, and then I went into the Red Lion, that pub on Bleecker Street, and I think they were only letting in Welsh and French people. So you go in, and the whole pub is either just Welsh people or French people. And when the anthems c- came on, uh, Bryn Terville was in there. No. And he, uh, with uh, I think he was with Matthew Reese. And oh, yeah. Anyway, so when the anthem's playing, Bryn Telville sort of stands up with a Welsh flag around his shoulders and serenades the entire bar in uh, uh, with the anthem. 4 a.m. Yeah. So Red Lion. I thought that was, that that was a pretty special That's moment. Really cool I, I yeah. was there, and I'm jealous of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I actually flew in. I was living in Sydney at the time, and I got... Um, when we beat Ireland in the courses, I was like, oh, I've got to go, I've got to go. So I spent an extortionate amount of money buying a ticket and then a, a flight ticket, which, you know, in the game, I was like, I'm so close at this point, Sydney to Auckland, why not? So I flew I flew in, um, actually missed my first flight. Never, I don't think I told my mom this, but I missed my first flight because at the time I was traveling a lot between like Sydney and Melbourne and you, for, you get used to it and then you forget that obviously Auckland, even though it's only a couple of hours, is international. So I rocked up with an hour and a half to go or an hour to go and they said, no, your, your flight's closed, mate. <laughs> oh, no thankfully I got they put me on the next one and I still got there um, for the game uh, and then yeah I ended up staying I was on my own up, met, met a bunch of random people stayed up all night and then got a flight back in the morning didn't even book a hotel <laughs> that's a good story as well so what have you got uh, going on at the moment work wise um, well I'm currently trying to write a solo record while there's kind of a brief hiatus of drowners um due to everyone having lives to live or whatever. So I'm trying to fill in the time by uh yeah, working on working on a solo thing. So hopefully by halfway through the year I'd have finished that and then it'll come out the end of this year or right, this will be, be your first solo EP. Uh yes, yes. You know stranger to writing you wrote most of No, I I wrote yeah, I wrote all the first record on my own and then I wrote probably like 80% of the second one so on my di- own. What's different about writing just for yourself, knowing it's a solo album? It's kind of scarier, actually, because at least when you write... So I'd write the songs or demo the songs, send it to the other guys, and then depend on their reaction, those are the songs we would pursue or develop or whatever. Right, right. So it's uh, it's kind of scarier to not have the barrier of other people's opinions <laughs> and just trying to trust your own opinion yeah. that it's going to be all right. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. I thought, yeah, there's less because uh, they 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 were they wouldn't be scared to tell me if they thought something was rubbish, yeah, you know, which is ultimately a good thing. Uh, what about I guess so? It's just you and your I guess a producer you're working with. No, I'm just kind of doing it by myself at the moment. Uh, but uh, presumably, they're still available to offer opinion. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Amongst uh, diaper changes and <laughs> diaper. <laughs> Diapers, yeah. Uh, none of them got kids yet. But. Oh, not yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm scoffing at your Americanism. Yeah, I'm just, you know, just gonna speak the language of the people. 
Oh gosh, I keep hearing myself say trash and garbage. Yeah, my when I go home, my family laugh that I sound American, and then my Welsh accent. Oh, my other friends tell me that if I talk on the phone to my parents, my accent comes back. Uh, but I think it's like you get so sick of explaining what a bin is, or yeah. someone laughing at you for saying bin that you end up using American words to avoid confusion. Yeah. Bin and over it, here, they mean just like any sort of storage box, and I'm like, no, the bin is where you put stuff you. You don't want, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, what you mean that that bin up there on that shelf?" I'm like, "No, the bin." I'm standing there holding some rubbish, going, "Where's the bin?" Like, doesn't context provide a clue? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I think using those using those American words then I guess softens your accent to some degree, and then yeah, have to go back to Wales to get it back. Yes, <laughs> go back for a top up every so often. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the drowners uh, will return. Yes. Yeah. 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 Not the drowners, sorry. Sorry, just, just drowners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Drown- ju- it's just drowners. Drowners yeah. will return. Yeah, no, it is. Well, I also didn't. I also did made the mistake of not googling the name before I told the promoter what we were going to be called. And turns out there was some Swedish band in the mid '90s that was called the Drowners, and he ended up emailing us saying, um, yeah, "A lot of my friends are asking me if I what, when I well, like if they can get on the guest list for uh, this gig in New York next week." And That's I a polite was, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you bastard. I was like, all right, all right, sorry, we'll drop the. the. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, last question, because we always ask this. Uh, I guess any adv- advice to people, you know, who are toiling away, trying to, you know, make a career in music or think that, you know, they want to come over to the States and use that as a way to, I guess, accelerate that. You, you put on your best clothes and you go to Times Square <laughs> and you strut around until well, someone spots you. Uh, uh, I've had like a like a odd lucky chain of events that's led me here, so I don't know how to advise someone on being lucky or something. <laughs> but but um, not being scared to try something or do something. Like when I first came over teaching guitar at that camp, like I applied for the job and like what and ended up getting in, and I just like came on my own, and I'd never been anywhere on my own before. Yeah. And then, it's a 19 year old coming over to do that like, that's a pretty yeah I think I I guess just like I don't know we'll wait to s- say this without sounding like a corny American sports film but like just go for it you know <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah alright well, no, well thank no. you yep. thank you so much Cheers. Yeah. it's been funny yeah. sorry if I mumbled no I've enjoyed it a lot thanks a lot Ding. happy birthday oh <laughs> dear <welcome now. laughs> okay Well, we hope you enjoyed listening, and if you did, then please subscribe and leave us a review, as long as it's positive. The more people review the show, the more people will get to hear the show. Yeah, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, then please do. The email is podcast at newyorkwelsh.com, or you can contact us through any of the socials. Both our Instagram and Twitter are at newyorkwelsh. And if you'd like to stay up to date with the latest goings-on, you can do so by subscribing to the monthly newsletter on our website, newyorkwelsh.com.